welcome welcome how's everyone doing it is march 21st it's two o'clock in the morning i've been driving making these deliveries all day 12 hours straight but hey thank you so much one to all you kansas city folks who've been ordering food I appreciate y'all and the Uber Eats. Shout out to y'all tipping well. Thank you so much. And thank you. Shout out to, uh, as my big brother would say, the big homie upstairs, uh, G-O-D, J-E-S-U-S, H-S with a capital H-S. Holy Spirit, thank you. The Trinity, thank you, God, for just thank you. Thank you all for your provision today. And just the beautiful weather. It was not a single cloud in the sky again as well today. And that's saying a lot here. Two days of no clouds in Missouri. That's I, that's something that I don't really run across too, too often. There's always at least a couple clouds in the sky. So. Ah, oh man. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord, just bringing me home safely, surrounding you, surrounding me with your angels as I was out all over Kansas City, even in some sketchy parts. Sometimes it gets a little, you know, got to turn your head a little bit more often, God, but you are my protector. You surround me with your angels. You keep me even when I'm afraid. You comfort me, God. Even when the uh, paranoia kicks up and the anxiety wants to flare up, God, you are there to comfort me. So I thank you for that. I just pray for anyone else that's dealing with anxiety or any type of fear. You said that we have we don't have to be anxious for nothing because we can pray to you about everything. And um, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. You said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid that you're not to give us a spirit that would cause us to go back to fear, but you've given us a spirit of sonship that causes us to call you Abba Father or Daddy, Dada. Thank you, Father, that we have that. That you also said, though, that that in order for us to inherit the kingdom of God, we have to become like little children. God, help us to be reminded of that, that we should become like little children again. And just um, it's so easy as we become adults to just think we know everything, to get hard headed and to not feel like we don't need you. But I just pray, pray that we can completely surrender to you, God. That we would not lose maturity, God, but but develop in greater levels of humility, Lord, like a child who is not afraid to ask questions, God, who's not afraid to. um to lay down to doesn't really have has not been burned by the world god is not tainted is not angry or hold a lot of grudges lord kids are able to forgive quickly lord it's like the girls in my neighborhood that will fight and then the next day they were playing double dutch together lord help us to have that type of attitude toward one another to keep short accounts not hold grudges and uh i just thank you for this word i just pray anoint my mind I pray in my heart, in my spirit. This is a very sensitive topic, Lord. And as we go through um, these 30 verses in Genesis 38, Lord, I just pray that the words would just leap off the page, that they would speak not only to myself, God, that I would get something new out of it, but the people that are listening, God, would just view not only your word in a greater light, but um, somehow these words 
this scripture will speak to pain that they're dealing with, um, any type of shame that they're dealing with, any type of um, yeah, shame, God, shame, 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 because you bore our shame, God. I just pray that you would deal with that, Lord. And um, there'll just be a huge separation between conviction and shame today. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. All right. So here we go. At that time, Judah left his brothers and settled near. Turn down just a little bit. Nope. Actually, I don't think it's going to pick up on the. uh, On this recorder, if I turn it down that low. All right. Judah and Tamar, chapter 3, Genesis 38. At that time, Judah left his brothers and settled near an Adulamite. Adulamite. There we go. Adulamite. There we go. <laughs> you got it. Adulamite. Named Hira or Hira. There Judah saw the daughter of a Canaanite named Shua. He took her as a wife and slept with her. She conceived and gave birth to a son. And he named her him Ur. Let's see, what does that mean down here? And there were many days and then there were many days. Hmm. I don't know what that means. I was looking at the note down there. Uh, let's see here. All right. She, verse four, she conceived again and gave birth to a son and named him Onan. She gave birth to another son and named him Sheila. It was as Chezib that she gave birth to him. Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. Now Ur, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the Lord's sight, and the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, All right, so now Ur, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the Lord's sight, and the Lord put him to death. That's wild that God is like, all right, you go to sleep, homie, for all eternity, because you're just doing too much. Wow. Verse eight, then Judah said to Onan, sleep with your brother's wife, perform your duty as her brother-in-law and produce offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he released his semen on the ground so that he would not produce offspring for his brother. It's wild. I can't remember how old I was and I finally it was shoot in the last had to be within the last last decade. Maybe when I really start. Yeah. Even just recently, I'm trying to remember when I first learned that the word semen was even the Bible in the Bible. I didn't even know semen was in the Bible. Because they don't talk about this stuff when you're like in nobody who's like, at least I didn't. I don't remember in children's church them ever talking about semen or this scripture, Genesis 38. They just skipped right over that. They were like, hey, let's talk about Noah and Abraham. This is what they should have been talking about right here. Anyway, uh, anyway, you got, you know, you got an age appropriate. I think 12, 13 is a good age to start talking to kids about this. Well, the higher level versions, good touch, bad touch is a good conversation before then. But shoot, I don't know. I... I started looking at pornography when I was eight years old. And I imagine with computers and all the stuff that I know is going around and the letter. I remember one year when my kids were in elementary school. I can't remember what grade we just when my daughter was in like 
first grade and Aiden was in kindergarten. I can't remember. Somewhere around there. I remember we got a note from the school saying, hey, we had a child that was discovered watching pornography at the uh, at the school computer. We just had to let y'all know because this is going to get out, you know. I was like, and it was a it was I think it was a third grade student that did it. So, yeah, you got to have these conversations with your kids younger and younger and really pray to God that he would give you discernment. And I know everyone has different ways as books you can read about parenting, how to talk to your kids about sex. If you all have any good book recon- recommendations, go ahead and DM me. I've heard of some. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. The Bible to me is like the best place to just have these conversations and just let the Holy Spirit speak. Um, yeah. Let the kids ask, like let the kids ask questions and just and don't try to always have the answer for all of them. Just kind of like guide them into thinking this through on their own and come into their own conclusions. So that's the only recommendation I have on that. Sorry. Where was I? Let me finish that. Verse nine. So, but Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he released his semen on the ground so that he would not produce offspring for his brother. Verse 10. What he did was evil in the Lord's sight. So he put him to death also. I'm reading these notes to remind us of the line of succession to the covenant promise. The author briefly focuses on Judah. He would eventually inherit the promise and blessing of Abraham. But at this point in the story, he was just another conniving member of a dysfunctional family. Hmm. Judah married the daughter of a Canaanite an inauspicious start. Hmm. All right, uh, here's the other Tony of his notes down here. It says, Judah's eldest son, Ur, married a woman named Tamar. The reason I always remember this name is because there's a famous singer, uh, Tony Braxton's sister, Tamar Braxton. So some people say Tamar. I just say Tamar because I think that's how she says her name. Unfortunately, Ur was evil in the Lord's sight and the Lord put him to death leaving Tamar with no husband and no children. The custom of the day in situations like this was was for the next living brother of the deceased to marry the widow. So it'd be like if my brother was wilding out, or if he was still married, did some crazy stuff, wilding out, and God just put him to death. Pray that doesn't happen uh, anytime soon. But say that happened and like, yeah, they were still married, he dies now she's a widow it will be my responsibility even if i'm married already as far as i know to go yeah to go have sex with my sister-in-law and and have a child with her to carry on the family line descendants through her through through her all right it says onan the brother in line for the this onan the brother in line for this task was fine with taking tamar as his wife but because he knew that the offspring would not be his, but would be credited to his deceased brother, he intentionally avoided getting her pregnant. He was using Tamar. Wow. Yeah, because if he's going to do that, if he if he if he knew he was going to spill the seed on the ground, why did he still have sex with her? Like he he had been wanting to do that for a minute. 
Ooh, that's kind of yeah. I didn't think of that angle on it. Like, hey, this happens a lot. This is what Leviticus is for, because Leviticus Leviticus is gonna address some of this stuff. He had to like outline, yeah, don't sleep with your brother's wife, that is your sister-in-law. He's like, don't sleep sleep with your aunt, that's your mom's sister. Like, people was doing some wild stuff, and yeah, it. Hey, this 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 happened. Onan was, Onan was probably waiting. He's like, I can't wait till my brother passes away because I've been wanting to get with my sister-in-law for a while now, and now here's my opportunity. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to use this to my advantage and I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to spill my seed. Wow. I didn't think of that. Cause he could have just been like, Hey, I really don't feel comfortable doing this. God, you know, is there any other way we can make this work? Cause I really don't want to have sex with my sister-in-law and I really don't, um, want, I don't want, um, her kids sharing the inheritance that my kids are supposed to have. I don't want to give that up. So, but he didn't do that. So it says what he, what he did was evil in the Lord's sight. So he put him to death also. Verse 11. Then Judah said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, remain a widow in your father's house until my son Sheila grows up or Shayla. For he thought he might die too, like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. After a long time, let's see here. Oh, that's, I was reading the wrong note earlier. Anyway, after a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had finished mourning, he and his friend Hira, or Hira, the Adulamite went up to, I did that better this time, went up to Timnah to his sheep, sheep shearers. Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. Verse 14. So she took off her widow's clothes, veiled her face, covered herself and sat at the entrance of Anayim. What does that mean? Down here? Or sat by the mouth of the springs. Mm, the mouth of the springs, which is on the way to Timnah. For she saw that though Sheila or Shayla had grown up, she had not been given to him as a wife. Hmm. This is interesting. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute for she had covered her face. I guess this is what prostitutes did back then. Verse 16. He went over to her and said, come, let me sleep with you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, what will you give me for sleeping with me? I will send you a young goat for my flock, he replied. But she said, only if you leave something with me until you send it. Uh, let me stop here. It says, legally, Tamar could expect to marry Shayla, the third son. But Judah seemed to blame Tamar for the death of his other two boys, and he refused to arrange the marriage. So Tamar veiled her face and posed as a prostitute. Ah, she's posing. Mm, man, people are just scheming. Like, I, I, this is why I would love to hear a woman's perspective on this, on how they feel about this, because, yeah, it's easy to uh, demonize um, Tamar here in this situation, call her a schemer. But hey, she was, she was doing what she 
thought was best during that situation. Just women back then didn't have hardly like they had zero rights, and uh, especially it was a struggle if you were a widow. That's why that one scripture talks about true religion is he had taken care of uh, widows and orphans. Apparently, Tamar suspected Judah's lustful ways, so she planned to lure him. Mm, she was she is plotting. Interesting. She's going to use that to her advantage. This is interesting. Uh, just so y'all know, at some point I'm going to be bringing other people. Uh, love of feeling. Interesting. Welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, eventually I'm going to be bringing uh, actual people into the broadcast at some point to talk, discuss these a little further. Um, get some ladies on, young ladies on here. Um, my good friend BB at some point will be on here. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, just hearing what what insights they get as they read this or any background information they might have. Get some pastors on here. They know this text a lot better than I do. So it's going to, yeah, Chew the Bible is going to get a little bit better and better. Not just a little bit better, a lot better. So because iron sharpens iron. I, verse 18. What should I give you? He asked. She answered your signet ring, your cord and the staff in your hand. So she, so he gave them to her and slept with her and she became pregnant by him. She got up and left, then removed her veil and put her widow's clothes back on. Hmm. Verse 20. When Judas sent the young goat by his friend by his friend the adulamite in order to get back the items he had left with the woman he could not find her wow man these whoo shady he asked the men of the place where is the cult prostitute who was beside the road of anayim there has been no cult prostitute here they answered so the adulamite returned to judah saying i couldn't find her and besides the men of the place said there has been no cult prostitute here verse 23 judah replied let her keep the items for herself otherwise we will become a laughing stock he's like i lost all my stuff um and just we're just we're just not gonna say anything about it because uh then it's going to i was like who is that running it's kind of late. So when I see people, I was kind of a little shook. I was like, who is it running this early in the morning? <laughs> I don't know. My neighborhood is pretty safe for the most part. This little area I stay in. But, you know, St. Louis and me, I always got to keep your head on the swivel. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, man, there's so much here to unpack. I'm not going to go too deep into it. But this, this is interesting. Just the fact that <laughs> he's like, he's going to keep this on the hush hush family secret. This is a perfect example. Oh, you could have a whole conversation about family secrets here. Um, a lot of families got so many secrets that are embarrassing to the family. Yeah, a lot laughing stock, the whole shame and bringing embarrassing embarrassment to the family name. That's a big thing. But. It might help the future generations if they know what grandma and how 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 Judah was getting down. If he if his grandkids knew what happened in this whole story and and all this, and stop covering stuff up, 
it can help the next generation. Instead of acting like y'all ain't got no y'all roses, you know, don't stink. All right, so what does it say? Judah agreed to pay the supposed prostitute with a young goat. And as a guarantee that he would, he would, he left his signet ring and his staff. Wow. You could pay somebody in a goat to have sex with them. I wonder how much a goat is, was worth back then. A goat. It's interesting they chose a goat because goats and sheep are two totally different things in the Bible. The significant, the symbolism of the goat. And then, yes, it'd be kind of like if I left my ID behind or something like that and be like, hey, you can or what is something else that's important, really important, like my keys. Yeah, just leave my wallet and my keys. You'd be like, hey, here's my wallet and my keys. And I promise you. When this is all over. Yes. I will go to the ATM like I don't have two hundred dollars on me, right? I'm sorry, I don't have two hundred dollars on me, but I'll leave my keys in my car and my wallet. Uh, I just need to get my debit card out of there. But as soon as this is over, we do this, we do our thing. I'm gonna go to the ATM, get two hundred dollars out, and I'll pay you. That's how. That's how I try to like process things in my own mind, like how I could picture if I was in this situation. The more you put yourself in the Bible and the same situation, not to say that I've ever been with a prostitute or ever done this kind of stuff. I'm just saying in this situation, uh, this is this is how I'm thinking of it. This is how I'm thinking of it. This is how Judah was doing. Yeah, you will leave. Yeah, you will leave that stuff. But here you go. I promise you I'm going to pay you. I'm going to get this goat. <laughs> nah. Uh, both would have had markings uniquely identifying Judah as their owner. The signet ring and the staff. Hmm. The stage was set for blackmail. Mm. I still don't understand why this story is plopped right in the middle between Genesis 37 and Genesis 39, where we're talking about Joseph. Like, why is this here? Let's keep reading because maybe it will start making sense as we read. So it says, yeah, let her keep the items for herself. Otherwise, we will become a laughing stock. After all, I did send this young goat, but you couldn't find her. I, uh, hmm. All right. Verse 24. After all right, about three months later, Judah was told your daughter-in-law Tamar has been acting like a prostitute and now she is pregnant. Mm, so somehow the family secret leaked. And got back to Judah. Ooh, she got praised. Example, you could say it's an example. Somebody, some people might say this is an example of a trap. The classic story of a woman trapping a man. Once again, I'm gonna be very careful, I'm gonna tread very lightly on this topic, but I'll love at some point to get a woman's perspective on this episode. Mm. Yes, at some point, we're gonna have to run this back and have a lady read this with me, and this is gonna open up some good conversation here. All right, verse 24, about, yeah, all right, I just read that. Uh, all right, bring her out, Judah said, and let her be burned to death. Oh, my Lord. Judah, you are bold. You are evil. All right, verse 25, as she was being brought out, she sent her father-in-law this message. I am pregnant by the man to whom these items belong, 
and she added, examine them. Whose signet ring, cord, and staff are these? Busted? Oh, man. Didn't even need no DNA test. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, she, this is, see? This is a movie right here. This, they need to turn this stuff into TV shows, movies, because this is like, this is good. This is inter- like, why do you need, why do you need these TV shows when you got the Bible? This is full of drama and some cool stories in here. I mean, it's sad and kind of depressing on some of these parts, but like, you can't make this stuff up. You could argue that a lot of these soap operas and dramas are based off of, they stole these stories out of the Bible. And them old Betty Davis movies stolen out of the Bible. All right, so uh, Judah, reckon, verse 26, Judah recognized them and said, she is more in the right than I, since I did not give her to my son, Shayla, and he did not know her intimately again. All right, what does this say? Tamar responded to Judah's judgment that she be burned for harlotry by sending his missing pledge to him and asking, whose are these? Didn't even need a courtroom. Did, did not even need a courtroom in this situation to prove to, to justify herself. The question she posed bears a resemblance to the question Judah and his brothers posed to their father, Jacob, after faking Joseph's death. Judah immediately recognized his guilt, knowing that Tamar had acted desperately because he had withheld his son. The coat of many colors with the blood of the animal on it, the goat blood or whatever on the on the coat of many colors of Joseph that they took back to uh, Jacob. And they asked the question, like, who I, whose items are these? And Isaac automatically assumed, wow, so the very sin that Jacob committed ends up coming back to haunt him. Ouch. Yeah, Lord Jesus, have grace and mercy on me. Grace and mercy on me. On ah, Lord. I'm just thinking of the things I've done. Like, Lord, please, please, grace and mercy. My sin as far as separated as far as the east is from the west. And I know there's consequences for our decisions. I just pray grace and mercy. Grace and mercy, grace and mercy, grace and mercy. Um Wow. So yeah. In this situation, Tamar has asked the same question. Does the word sound familiar? I uh, just thought of that Maya song from back in the day. I'm going to say, I can, yeah, because we're talking about some sensitive stuff here. And he's like, yeah, whose draws are these? I don't listen to this stuff anymore. It's a disclaimer. I don't listen to these music. She's like, whose draws are these? You know I wear a size four. Oh, I read. I used to listen to that stuff in middle school. I used to listen to a lot of stuff in middle school. All these songs. It's like a song by Maya. She's talking about moving on because she found somebody else's underwear at the house that aren't hers, and she's their yeah, man is cheating. And yeah, whose items are these? Whose items are these? Look at the look at the inscription, buddy. Look at the inscription. The first, the only the two thoughts that I had were one. I immediately thought of the woman that was about to be stoned. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Uh, I always love John chapter eight. It's one of the clearest pictures of redemption. When the woman is caught in adultery, of course, they bring the woman to be stoned. 
but they don't bring the man that was also that takes two to tango takes two to go half on a baby like it takes two it takes two baby for all that and yes they bring out the woman to be stoned not the man and jesus you know writes something in the ground and just like yeah he who's he who was without sin cast the first stone and it says they walked away from the young from the oldest to the youngest um people have different viewpoints on why i was the oldest or the youngest but i always think of it as the oldest the older you are the more aware you are of your sin that you have a lot of sin when you're younger you don't you're not really aware of that you're a sinner like you don't even think about it because you're not really even thinking about death yet really much because you just everything is yolo everything is yolo you only live once you know you know eat eat drink and be merry you know all that um but yeah, what I was gonna say. Da -da -dun 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 -dun. And then the other thing I was thinking of is the one of my favorite books from high school called The Scarlet Letter, where the character it's like Dimsdale sleeps with uh Dimsdale's like a pastor, if I remember correctly. Dimsdale is this pastor of the in this little, you know, um thing of those like old I can't remember what time period this set in, but this remember like eighteen hundreds, I don't know, around then, somewhere, probably before then. Um, old, very Puritan, Puritan town, all these people, you know, pretending to be perfect and live these religious, pious lives. And here's this pastor, um, this, uh, priest or whatever sleeps with, uh, Hester Prynne and, uh, what was the daughter's name again? Rose. I think her name was Rose. And, um, yes, after they have the, so he gets her pregnant and no one i think yeah no one knows exactly who got her pregnant they just she just is back then if you didn't have a husband you were pregnant you were just kind of like an outcast in society so she's forced to wear this scarlet letter on her chest dimsdale knows who the daddy is he don't need mari to come out and you know like you are the father like he knows the secret but it's a secret and he's preaching all these sermons and bashing folks and holding this secret sin and eventually it starts to eat him alive as time goes on and we won't i won't spoil the story for you I, in fact i'm gonna go back and read that book again because it's really good but yeah the woman is forced to walk around in disgrace and shame wearing this scarlet letter and be reminded of this daughter that she had out of wedlock uh rose i think her name is and yeah this there's, there's so much imagery and motifs and symbolism um, that can relate to a lot of these stories in the Bible. I encourage you all to check it out and read it. It's called The Scarlet Letter. I can't remember who wrote that book. But yeah, Scarlet Letter. Nathaniel Hawthorne? I don't know why the name stands out in my head. Yeah, Nathaniel Hawthorne, I think, wrote The Scarlet Letter. If I remember correctly. I could be wrong. Y'all go double check that. All right. Um. All right, so he's busted. And then, all right, verse. All right, verse 27. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twins in her womb. Mm, double blessing. As she was giving birth, one of them put out his hand and the midwife took it and tied a scarlet thread around it. What was I just saying, y'all? Oh, man, this is blowing my mind. What was I just saying? 
they steal so much so much stuff in these movies and tv shows and books is straight out of the bible y'all be thinking oh this is so good this is good entertainment like read the bible and most of the storylines all are stealing like variations of the bible like you could argue that shakespeare stole a lot of stuff out of the bible in his stories like look at hamlet look at all like the, the, all this concept of star-crossed lovers and you know romeo and juliet like this stuff is in the bible they just put different names on it all right wow tied a scarlet thread around it announcing this one came out first but then he pulled his hand back out then he pulled his hand back out came his brother and she said what a breakout you have made for yourself. So she named him named. So he was named Perez. What does that mean? Did it breaking out? Of course, or brightness of sunrise, perhaps related to the scarlet thread. Hmm. Then his brother, who had the scarlet thread tied to his hand, came out and was named Zara. So remember those names. Brighten. Yeah. Hmm. So remember those names, y'all. Um, those two names, Zara and Perez. Those names are going to come up later, I believe. That's why this Genesis 38 account is there. And something about the signet ring, too, might have some some significance. All right. Yes. Remember signet ring. Zara Perez. Let me read this note here. So Tamar gave birth to twins. And just as with Jacob and Esau, the older of these two, Zara would serve the younger Perez. Man, this is my brother always says, hey, Jamama, Jim, what are you still doing? Oh, I forgot. It's midnight over there. It's 1236 over in Cali. It's 237 in the morning. I should be asleep. But this is like I usually am wide awake. It takes me at least a couple of hours to even fall asleep because I'm so wound up after driving 12 hours. It takes me like a couple of hours to just like settle down. So this kind of helps me wind down, you know, with the piano music, the soft piano music. And then like the sound of my own, like low, hey, my low voice. And then the. Um, yeah, the Bible, you know, kind of calms me down, you know. You missed the best part, Jim. Why are you coming in all late? <laughs> you missed, we talked about we talked about semen on the ground. We talked about yeah, old dude sleeping with his brother and taking advantage of her, and then her pretending to be a prostitute, and then this dude Judah, which is her her um her father. No, what was he? That was her. What was Judah to her? Her father-in-law? Yes, her father-in-law slept with her and told her he was going his 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 plan was to give her uh pay pay her. Could you imagine a man saying he was going to sleep with you and the way and the price to sleep with you was a goat? And so she was like, "Hey, you know, to make to he said, I'll give you my signet ring and my staff. It had his, all like I believe, believe the signet ring and the staff were used to buy things like out in the um, when they conducted business. It was like 
a signet ring, as far as I know, is like like a stamp that they would use on contracts. So that's why. Hey, Jackie, welcome. Man, y'all are coming in. I almost want to read the whole story again just so y'all can hear. Y'all missed the best parts. And so, yeah, she fooled him to blackmail him, had her father-in-law sleep with him, sleep with her. And then she disappeared. She bounced uh, when they when they woke up because he said, yeah, I'll pay you this goat. And here is my signet ring and my staff to guarantee with my inscription on it to guarantee like you can have this to guarantee that I'm going to pay you with it, pay you this goat. And uh, anyway, his plan was to not pay her, like sleep with her and not pay her. But when she he woke up, she had taken her staff and a signal ring. I, I don't know if she got the goat or not. I think she got the goat too. took all that. And then like, this is the craziest part. When like word got back to uh, Judah, her father-in-law, Tay, this is Tamar's father-in-law. Word got back to her, to him, about all this stuff that happened. And he tried to act like it didn't happen. He was trying to cover it up because it was embarrassing to the family. He said it will be a laughing stock. And so uh, he said, bring her out. Yeah, it says, your daughter-in-law Tamar has been acting like a prostitute and now she is pregnant. Bring her out, Judah said, and let her be burned to death. At least she got the goat. <laughs> and she got the sick. All right, so she took the signet. I'm going to read this part again. Y'all on the podcast is have to hear this again. So it says, as she was bringing, as, I want you, you should go back and read chapter 38. I'm looking forward to when you read Genesis 38, Jim. It's going to be good. It says, as she was being brought out, she sent her father-in-law this message. I am pregnant by the man to whom these islands belong. And she added, examine them. Whose signet ring, cord, and staff are these? She like basically blackmailed him. And uh this dude was trying to have her killed. And he couldn't say anything. He left her alone. I'ma read these last verses. Alright, so verse 27. When the time came for her to give birth, there were I already read all this. Yeah, she ends up having two kids by her father-in-law. Twins. And then the as this becomes a this is becoming a common thing. The older one has to serve the younger one. And one of them came out before the other one is funny, like they almost came out at the same time. Yeah, Zara and Perez, but Perez was the younger one. Um, let's see here. All right. Thus, the line of Judah, which was the covenant line, was preserved and continued even in the midst of sinful circumstances. God never causes accepts or condones sin but he can use it to sovereignly accomplish his plan wow so that makes sense all right so let's recap let's recap there was this dude named judah and let's see here all right judah had a son named ur this dude name was ur ur was tripping ur was doing stuff that god didn't like so he killed him. He put him to death. He was wilding out. God wasn't playing around. So he put him, you know, he said, go to sleep, homie. You, you done. You know, sleep for eternity. You out of here. And then so the custom back then was you slept with your like. So now Ur's wife, which was Tamar, was a widow. 
the custom back then to keep the bloodline going for the family was the brother-in-law. So Ur's brother, which was Onan. So Onan and Ur were the sons of Judah. And so Ur's dead wife, widow, the widow Tamar is left behind. Onan is supposed to now sleep with his sister-in-law and have children with her and carry on the bloodline. But he was like, this fool could have just been like, nah, God, or I don't, I'm not comfortable doing this, Tamar. Um, I'm good. And just disobeyed the law, you know, dealt with the consequences of that. But this fool slept with Tamar, knowing good and well he had no intentions of having babies with him because he didn't want to like, as far as I understand, he didn't want to share his kids' inheritance or any of his property with her or like his brother and like his dead deceased brother-in-laws it'd be like yeah i wouldn't want to pass on my kids inheritance my four kids inheritance on to my brothers my brother has two kids but like if yeah if i like i wouldn't want to have you know sleep with my sister-in-law and have kids with her and have to like have my kids have to share have this you know the blended inheritance share he didn't want to do that but he still wanted to sleep with his sister-in-law he'd be like oh my sister-in-law still looking good she's still bad i've been wanting to sleep with her for a minute and now my brother's gone. I'm about to get up in there. You know, anyway, I'm going to be careful. I'm going to slow down because like this is exciting. But anyway, I mean, it's sad, it's sad, but like it's cool to read that these people were just like us. just like jacked up more, almost like us, if not worse, like the drama, the family drama. So anyway, um, let's wrap it up. Let's bring it home. Man. Let's bring it home. Let's close it out. So. He goes and sleeps with his sister-in-law, pulls out, spills the seed on the ground. That was considered a sin against God. Bam. God smites him, kills him. Because he's like, hey, you just like, you ain't supposed to be doing that, homie. Like, you're supposed to follow the rules. This is the rule. This is the law. And you broke the law. God just killed him. So now Judah has two sons that are dead. And Wow. So then Tamar tricks him, sleeps with Judah. Tamar goes and sleeps with their dad. So we got a whole Jerry Springer triangle going on here. <laughs> and Maury, we got Jerry Springer and Maury and Ricky Lake and Gerardo all in the same in the same Genesis 38. That's why I love the Bible because the people don't like it was not taught to me this way because I would have like eat, eaten and I don't think I would appreciate it as much as a teenager or a 20 year old, like I'm reading it at just the perfect time in my life. Cause I feel like there's hope for me. God hasn't struck me dead yet. Even though I've done some stuff that probably deserves. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for him covering me and for his grace and mercy. Now I'm not going to take advantage of his grace and mercy, but thank you. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And then, so God still, she ends up having these twins with Judah and her own father-in-law, the dude, try to cover it up, hide the pregnancy, and kill the mama, like kill her before she had the baby. So we could. There's so many things here. You got, you got technically rape. Yeah, you got rape here. You got um a a family's lies and cover-ups. You got abortion because and murder. He was trying to kill her and abort the babies. Because he knew she was pregnant. 
so this is an example of abortion here. There's so much in this one chapter, this one chapter 38. There's so much to unpack there and to talk about. So anyway, I said at some point I'm going to bring a lady on here. Uh, like, I would love to have you, Jim. I got my friend BB, too. Uh, eventually, I'll bring her on. I actually want to, like, freeze on this scripture and have a few different opinions on this and some discussion after reading this and get a woman's opinion on how she views this this story. And so, uh, not today. Not to, Yeah, it's juicy. It's juicy, Jim. Not today, because I need to go to sleep here in a minute. But um, is there anything else I was going to say? Oh, so real quick, the main thing, that's why I titled this. I just I need to come up with another title for this one because there's so much here. Uh, but I don't know. There's the main thing that people own that the name Onan. That's why I call it Onan and the Great Master Debate, because this is where I believe Catholics or some other groups of Christians try to say that. Um, uh, masturbate, masturbation is wrong because technically Onan pulled out. I'm getting real graphic here. Yeah, he pulled out, didn't inter- insert the seed, his semen, into uh, Tamar and uh, pulled out, shot it on the ground. And this is where people say it's a sin to masturbate because you're supposed to. And I think that's why Catholics don't believe in birth control. I'm. These are my assumptions because things I feel like I've heard over the years. I Go Google this stuff on your own. Do your own research. Maybe you can help me, Jim, because you grew up in the Catholic Church. But this is where pe- why people don't. Um, I believe the Catholic Church doesn't believe in contraception and uh, birth control and um, masturbation and pull out all that stuff. Um, they follow like a rhythm method based on a woman's cycle. Anyway, because I, I don't, don't tell me how I know that. <laughs> you know, four years of being married will teach you some things. <laughs> Oh, because when you don't want to use birth control because it makes your wife cuckoo. Uh, I shouldn't say that. It makes your wife hormones raging. Birth control does something to women's hormones. I could talk about this stuff for a day. Like, and you know, um, condoms. Nobody wants to... No married couple wants to have sex with condoms. That's one of the main reasons why people get married because they want to do condoms. I'm getting real graphic on this episode. I'm getting real personal. But it feels liberating talking about this. It feels good. I don't know. But I need people need to talk about this stuff. So anyway, there's so this is why with teenagers, this is like when my kids become teenagers, we're going to read Genesis 38 and we're going to have some conversations because this is a good. This is a good place to have some real like conversations about real life stuff and make the Bible real to them. Because I think I didn't know about Genesis 38 for real until I became an adult. In the last few years, really, I heard about Onan because we just read, you know, Noah, you know, Abraham, Father Abraham. We read about David and Goliath. They don't talk about Onan. Where's Onan in the whole? They don't talk about Onan. It's too because they they don't want to talk about Onan because this is the real stuff right here. This is the they said the juicy stuff. Anyway, so a lot of people say that masturbation is wrong at some point. Hopefully that can be a healthy discussion in some type of way about this topic. I'll probably bring on a guy. I don't know if it'd be right. You know what? I think it's I think there's something healthy too when a man and a woman 
can have a healthy conversation about the topic of masturbation because once again I want to remove a lot of the stigma and the taboo about it and get other people's opinions about it because women struggle with it too a lot of women deal with a lot of shame a lot of I just like I do a lot of shame about it and um, I do my best not to do it anymore um, because I don't like to deal with the shame but if you do do it that's what I'll close out with if you are masturbating these are some simple guidelines that I have related to this topic and a lot of people and this is between you and God remember we are under grace not under the law and so this is Aaron Yancey this is my way of getting dealing with this topic one I don't look at pornography anymore one because I started looking at it when I was eight years old um I won't go into the details of it too much, but, you know, we had a computer that came into our house at a young age, introduced at a young age. And I feel like a child should not be looking at pornography at eight years old. It's kind of like a rape of a mind. Even though I wasn't molested by anyone, as far as I know, I don't have any memories of molestation. And sorry for those that have dealt with it. Um, My heart goes out to you. In fact, I'm going to say a prayer at the end of this. But where was I going with that? I, in a way, I feel like if a boy looking at pornography at the age of eight is kind of a form of molestation. It's not a healthy way to be introduced to sex, to be seeing grown adults. In a way, my mind was molested at a young age. I was not ready for that at all. Um, and I, I can say this openly. No. Mm, yes. Because I feel like I feel like Satan wants to keep a lot of stuff in secrecy and shame so that you can't get healed. My brother, it blew my mind because, yeah, yeah, I remember other things. I saw pornography on the TV because back then we had the big old big screen. My parents got this big old big screen in the house, like one of those big, big TVs that like takes five people to move out or whatever. Like before they got flat screens, like anyway, and they had all the cable channels and, you know, sometimes a little late night showtime, HBO would come on or it would be the Spice Channel. You could click up to like channel 500 or whatever, or whatever it was on. And it would be like blurry through the lines or whatever, the sketchy, fuzzy channel. And you could like see it. And uh, I remember even being on a um, vacation and my cousin was there and we watched some stuff together on the uh, Spice Channel. Parents had no clue that we were watching this stuff. Uh, stuff on the computer of course like i said my brother's magazines he has some magazine but i didn't find out till years later that my brother we had this conversation recently and i i'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying this he would say if he was on here he did not discover masturbation until he was 18 years old so he had all these like he's like i didn't even know that was something you could do it's so weird so he had all this pent-up frustration and desires whatever and he didn't even know how to like let it out release it and and we, we weren't having these conversations with our parents about this stuff. Uh, at the most we got was like, hey, you know, if you get hot, take a cold shower. That's what my mom used to say. And I think my dad showed us some anatomy books when we were younger. That's about it. And so um, anyway, I don't want to go too far deep into this because this this is a whole. It could, how are we? Oh, we got 51 minutes. We're about to close it out because we need to pray. But um, where is I going with all this? Pornography has done, for me personally, a toll on my brain. Because one, it's like a drug. 
dopamine it's never enough you um tend like for me i learned to view women's bodies in an unnatural way um I was constantly comparing my wife when I got married at 20 years old. I was constantly comparing her to all the images that I had of all these women over the like, like two of the biggest ones like Pam Greer, Holly Berry. And I won't say the other woman's name because, yeah, she was a yeah. Anyway, in all these, yeah, these porn stars that I had memorize their names and watch all their videos those images were stuck in my brain so of course my even my beautiful 22 year old wife even though we were like jackrabbits before before we got married we were having all the sex whatever um in college or whatever she could never measure up and men already have high sex drives but she could never measure up to that desire that I had the images that I had in my brain and sometimes I had to like think about these women to even climax I'm being real personal here and so basically pornography gives you a distorted view of of sex and how to view women and it like there's all these studies it talks about yeah it leads to abuse um rape all the stuff that we see these guys doing crazy saying but the world of Satan wants us to believe that porn is not a big deal. But I feel like it's one of the biggest attacks on our country and causing so many issues with molestation, rape um, and divorces. Um, because, yeah, God made us to where women don't have the same sex drive. They y'all don't have women don't have the same sex drive as us. It's not as high as us. They do. Some women do have high sex drives, but usually it still doesn't measure quite up to a man's in general, psychologically, somebody else could refute me on that um and the timing of when the sex drive when that when we hit our sexual peaks is different you know say some guys like guys is like in our teens 20s our 20s the 30s women is more like your late menopause 40s and all that i could be miss saying miss saying some stuff so i gotta be careful of what i say i'm not a doctor i'm not an expert these are just generalizations things i've learned over the years as a man that was married for 11 years have four kids all that and have dealt with this and then all right so yeah no porn is my rule for ma- like if i am going to masturbate and i was even listening to audio porn for a while and all that kind of stuff but i was like once again there's more shame with that and do i really want to have this woman's voice that i that's not my wife i plan to get married again at some point do I really want to only be able to like have that those images in my those those sounds in my head or this special voice in my head? I want to be as pure as possible before I get married so that when I do get married and we have sex that the marriage bed will be undefiled and I will have freedom and grace and there'll be no shame. It will be able to be uninhibited and not have to bring in all these outside things just to have fun like we can just enjoy each other and it could be a great time right and um when there's times when she's not in the mood or she has stuff going on i can be sensitive to that and not and she doesn't worry about me like going off having sex with another woman having an affair to get my little high whatever because i can't control myself i have no self-control so have to worry about me going off and looking at pornography and that whole rabbit hole that that can lead to anyway and then lastly, yes, if I do masturbate, because the scriptures talk, the 
um, because Jesus said, you all say if you have, you know, sleep with a woman that's your not your wife, then you've committed adultery. I say if you lust in your heart after the woman, you've already committed adultery with her. When you lust in your mind and your heart, because out like you've already committed adultery, you've already basically basically have might as well have slept with that person if you're lusting after them. It's okay as a man because we have we have God wired this way for us to be to be attracted to women, to look at their breasts and to look at their bodies and be drawn to them so that we would, yeah, procreate as my friend Jim always says to procreate. That's the way God made us. It's natural. It's part of us. Right. But we're supposed to have self-control in the best way, my personal opinion for sex to be in a healthy way in God's way is to be in a marriage covenant relationship between a man and a woman that anything outside of that, you're just going to experience nothing but misery and heartache and shame and pain and lots of drama. Like as we see right here, um, I'm not going to talk about the topic of abortion, but at some point I'm going to go there, but not this on this episode. And so you'll save yourself a lot of headache and pain by doing it God's way. And then what was the last thing? Let me wrap it up. Sometimes I'll just get on these tangents. But so, yes. If I do go to masturbation, it's like a last resort. And I'm like, God, you know, my heart, you know. Oh, yes. Because to look at a woman, it's one thing to look at a woman, but it's the second, the third, the fourth. And it's the ruminating or the constant like dwelling, letting it marinate in your head to where I'm lusting after her. There's a difference between like looking at a woman like, oh, she's bad. She's fine. She's pretty. She's attractive. But it's nothing like, oh, I want to have sex with her. I want to sleep with her. I'm thinking about her all the time. I'm masturbating to her. I'm like doing videos and all this stuff, like having her send me nudes and all that. That is like that's lust. Um, That's lust. And God will not honor that. That sin, you can debate me on it all day, but I'm just they go to the bottom, take it up with God, take it up with God, and um, and this is for me, this is me personally, this is my personal convictions that the Holy Spirit has shown me, and so how can I say this? How can I say this? And and what really? All right, so so if I when I do masturbate. If it does happen, I try to limit it to like at the most like once a week, once a month, not make it a regular habit. Because for me, when I open up that box, it's like Pandora's box. And before I know it, I mean, like it it keep it hinders my relationship with the Lord because I don't I don't want to pray as much. I don't want to do chew the Bible episodes as much. I don't want to witness and share God, the, the joy of the Lord with other people. And, and I'm just covered in this cloud of shame, like this Eeyore cloud all the time, um, because. Yeah, I don't feel as close to God, even though I'm, even though Jesus says my sins, the sins I've committed in the past, the sins I'm currently committing and the sins I'm going to commit in the future. I've all been covered in the blood and Jesus Christ and. We're, that's why the scripture of Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Our sins are covered. Um, he died, Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins. Right. So anyway, I'm good. But like it's hard for me to just think of that sin as just a powder donut dust on that I can just brush off. I'm actually think down in my look, look down at myself. I'm like, oh, I'm covered in blood. or I'm covered in 
um, ink stains. I'm covered in ketchup stains. And so it's hard for me to like be close and intimate with the Lord because there's this separation, not on his end, but on my end. And so it's hard to even articulate this concept. But anyway, that's why I don't like to masturbate. Plus, when I get, and this is a lot of trauma too, related to a lot of shame in my marriage. I was made to kind of feel like a sex addict because I wanted it a lot. I had a high sex drive in my 20s and my former wife didn't. I'm going to be very careful now. I want to like put her out there on blast like that. But this, I'm just being real. Um, so yeah, in my next marriage, going into my next marriage, I want there to be a healthy sex life where there's self-control. We can have, we can talk about these things. And um, yes, I desire her more than I desire anyone else. And it's not an unhealthy desire to where I make it, because that's the last thing. You can make masturbation, pornography, you can make your wife, your your husband, you can make these people an idol. Like so many people like, oh, you know, the cure to all my problems is finally getting a husband or it's going to be finally getting a wife. It's like, no, yours, the next day after yours, I pray, God forbid this happens, but the next day after you were, um, you get married, your husband could be in a car accident and lose half his body and not have one of those things down there. Then what's she going to do? Um, this stuff happens. Um, he could be impotent. His sex drive could be not as high as yours. Um, same thing for us guys, like the wife, something could happen to her. She could get like a, a severe illness, like cancer or, you know, have a disease or whatever. And all of a sudden, like, then what? Then, then, then how are you going to get through that? And I feel like God has grace for every situation. But to me, personally, God always provides a way of escape from sin. God always provides another route. And ultimately, I've learned that he he wants to be our greatest desire more than my desire for, desire for sex, more than my desire for a wife, more than my desires, my love for my kids, more than my desire for like a lot of money and wealth and to live on a beach in Imperial Beach, California and with a yacht like God is worth more than all that. Um, what profit of man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul to like there's so many parables that we're going to read later. Just talk about like the kingdom of God and just about giving up the riches of this world, being not conformed to this world, but being um, transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you have to read this word because this world system will like get you trapped into the here and now. And here, one more thing. I'm closed out on this. Guess what? There's not going to be any marriage in heaven, y'all. We're not going to get married, y'all. Like we, cause God is going to be our, we're his bride. He is our, it's weird to say this as a man, but he's our groom. Jesus, like he, there's going to be this marriage that takes place in eternity. And we're like, he's coming back for us. The Bible talks a lot about us being his bride, the church. He's coming back for us. We're his bride. And as far as I know, there's going to be no marriage in heaven. And so, yes, no more drama, no more fighting, no more divorce, no more alimony, no more child support. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. No more child support. I love my kids. This child support, no joke. All right, let me close out. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day.
I thank you for liberating me to even talk about this topic because I had a lot of shame coming into this. I was kind of fearful. I just pray in the name of Jesus that people would have an awakening moment about this topic of masturbation and sex at the church that Jezebel spirit that would try to scare the church from being open and honest about these topics and talking about it more when this is the number one thing that the church is dealing with that's causing so many men to fall out of the church and have all these scandals and people not trust the church and even in the Catholic church and all that molest, all that crap, all that nastiness and foulness, God, it needs to be exposed, but exposed so that you can heal it and restore it and redeem it, God. People need to be redeemed and healed. There's so many men who are who are who are who are dying on the inside because they've dealt with. I know personal testimonies of men who've confided in me about being molested as young boys and nobody knows about it. But them are a couple handful of people. Um, people need to be women are holding on to these shame over abortions, over molestation and, and rapes by uncles and boys being raped by babysitters guy in the name of jesus we need a revival and a restoration in our country and in our world on this very topic of the shame of masturbation i break it off in the name of jesus god help us to live have healthy sex lives lord and to abstain and to um and to have so a spirit of self-control which is one of the fruits of the spirit god i just pray that over everyone and then lastly lord for those that don't know you in the name of Jesus, I pray that they would give their life completely over to you and that they would ask you into their hearts and that um, you would nourish them as newborn babes in Christ, Lord. Plant them in good churches where they can be fed and grow and uh, be baptized as an outward demonstration of their faith. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that I, one day, Lord, I don't even know who's going to be listening to this in the future, even after I'm long gone after here, God. But I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that many will be saved and transformed from this message, God, and that they would never be the same from this day forward. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. All right, Jim, thanks for keeping me company. This made me even more comfortable uh, talking about this. So I appreciate you a lot. And uh, thank you for being my friend and uh, to to know that I can have a platonic friend and just be friends and not have to like, like, even though you're an attractive friend, like we can just be friends and talk and enjoy each other's company. There's almost sometimes I feel like I shouldn't even get married again because it's like at least for a good amount of time, because I, I feel like other so many women need to experience that they can have a friendship with a man. It's not going to be perfect. There's going to be times like you'll be tempted to flirt and people catch feelings. But it is possible for a guy and a woman to be friends as long as there's some boundaries in place. Right. <laughs> and y'all understand the boundaries and like but there's something beautiful about it. that Y'all can encourage one another and be there for one another. And it prepares you for that time and that seat when you're ready to get married. You're not not just going to put up with anybody. You like. I got Aaron over here. And if this other guy can't even like not to compare me to the next to your husband, but like these are the basic standards of things that I'm looking for in a husband. And if he's automatically trying to have sex with me on the first date or in the first week and not try to get to know me 
and build a relationship with me and be a Christian and pray for me and encourage me like he ain't it. it ain't worth my time it's not even worth it because it's gonna be too much drama it's not worth the headache I can be as they say I can do all bad all by myself so anyway somebody needed to hear that <laughs> I needed to hear that because as tempted as it is to get married again it's like I don't know if I can endure another heartbreak heartbreak <laughs> Because that last one almost took me out, Jim. It almost woo, almost took a brother out. So anyway, all right. Thank you so much once again for being here. Thank y'all for listening. And y'all be blessed. And looking forward to talking about Joseph in the next chapter in Genesis 39, I think we're on. We're going to talk about Potiphar's wife. Potiphar gets juicier. Y'all thought that was juicy. It's about to get juicier. All right, talk to you later. Good night.